And welcome to the Goodies Pirate Podcast, episode one. Yay! Thanks for all being here. So, what we're hoping to do is a group of people, possibly interchangeable, depending on how we go over the next 70-odd episodes, is planning every week to have a look at an episode of the Goodies in broadcast order, and just share our memories of those episodes, and have a bit of a fun discussion. We're also going to look at things like the ads in them, what hasn't aged quite as well as it might have. We're going to talk about our favourite jokes, but... um. We'll also plan to do some cutaway episodes that don't look at an episode, so we'll talk about our favourite memories. No doubt we'll talk about the music in one of our cutaways. Um, some of the extended universe stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll have a, uh, some of them, but fundamentally it's going to be looking at the goodies in order. So the first episode is The Tower of London. So I think the best way to summarise what the goodies is all about is to let them do it. What are we going to do? Well, well, come on, it was your idea. Yeah, whatever it is, that's it, exactly. Exactly, it was my idea. Uh, <laughs> we are the goodies. Yes, yes we know that. And we are, are going to do good to people. How wet. How are we going to do good? <laughs> we'll just have to wait and see. When people need us and they're bound to need us, then we'll know what we're needed for. Oh. All we have to do is to advertise that we exist and we'll soon get people needing us. I think that sums it up pretty well. What do you guys think? It has a lot to do in its first 25 minutes. Um, And I know this is one of Graham's favourite episodes because really at the time they had no idea whether it was going to work, whether what the BBC would think of it, what the public reaction to it would be. So you sort of almost get across the first episode or two that that this sort of um, feeling of a show being made a little bit on the fly. It, It is, but it's also interesting, and we'll discuss this shortly, just how well it works and how much of the premise stands the test of time. Although you're right, it'll be interesting as we go through this, and one of the things we want to do, listeners, as we go through this series is look at where some of the tropes start, but also where some of the tropes end. And that idea of them being an agency that's hired is one that sort of drifts away relatively quickly and they just start doing stuff off their own bat. But we'll move into the first episode, and that is, of course, The Tower of London, also known as The Beefeaters, this was broadcast on the 8th of November 1970, which was a Sunday night, and it was shown at 10pm in the UK, right. which, for those of us who grew up in Australia, as we all did with the goodies, as sort of classic tea time Well, I mean, it was drama, firmly kids show, a kids show here. Absolutely. Usually 6 or 6.30, usually paired with Doctor Who. Uh, so it, it, is, it is quite a contrast to think of it as being in... You know, Sunday 10pm is not exactly prime time. No, and very, very much post-Watershed. Very, very much so. So, Richard, what did you think of the episode? Um, it's it's a good starting point for the series. I, I don't know, um, and I know it was the first script that they wrote. I, I'd probably stop short of saying, look, they get out of the blocks with an absolute belter. I think it's a very solid episode, and look, it certainly sets up the series. I'd probably stop short of calling it an outright classic. I mean, there I think there are a couple of better episodes in series one and they probably come towards the end of the season once they start to get more proficient at script writing and what they want to do with the show yep rob what struck me was how fully formed it all seemed to me um the the premise of the show they basically breezed past that it was done within a a few lines you know where the money came from and what their intent was 
and then they sort of got straight into uh, the story itself. So, um, yeah, I was struck by how uh, how well it, w- it was constructed and how funny it was. Yeah, well, whilst I, I, I agree with you, Richard, this isn't sort of one of those top five, top ten classics, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. No, look, I think it's, it's, it's a very, look, very good it, one. It's aged well, and there are others, I think, when we get into the next couple of episodes, there are a couple in there that probably haven't aged as well. No, that, that's very fair. But I, I agree with you, Rob. The, the principles of the show... Uh, are set they're up, immediately. They're, they're there immediately, and the characters re- hold relatively well for the next ten years, which which is very good. Even the opening credits, um, although this isn't um, the most famous version of the opening credits, the goody goody yum yum ones that we get in about series three, series four, um, they're, they're very very effective, and you, you get that feel right from the start. Um, just sort of going on that early scene, of course, um, a couple of little. Um, Easter eggs there, the picture of Lady Constance de Coverley, which was Tim's character, and I'm sorry I'll read that again, is actually used as the picture of his late aunt, which is a nice little gesture for, um, I suspect a lot of I'm sorry I'll read that again, fans were in the audience for that first one. Well, I mean, I guess you can probably touch very briefly on it. I mean, The Goodies was sort of almost, not a third season of, but it, it followed straight out of a show the three of them had been on called Broaden Your Mind. Yes. Um, which sadly now I think is almost completely gone. Mm. But because um, they'd done a first season, it was rejigged slightly for the second season, and the BBC sort of said, well, we want you to do something else, but not so much that. What else have you got? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, so I think, and of course, I don't think they quite knew what they were going to get, but they got the goodies. And thank God for it. Yes. Um, another interesting point that came out of that early um, scene is I noticed that the conceit of them not having a phone was dropped very, very quickly. And, and, and thankfully, I think... I don't know whether they meant to have that woman downstairs as a uh, recurring I, joke I or not. I just wondered if that, that's the thing, whether that was a recurring joke that they just decided perhaps didn't work. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure, but it, it didn't. No. No, it clearly didn't because they, they dropped it very, very quickly. And, and, it, and you notice, actually, they dropped the, there's the, the thing there with the window um, where it will show them different... Um, yes. ...show different scenes. I, I don't think that's a joke they did again. I don't think. I mean, they use it to project things on when Bill's on his acid trips. Yes, and they use it as a TV a lot. A lot, but I, I don't mm. think it actually they ever used it to, to show them the, the different vision of the outside world. On the other hand, stuff like the setup of their office, um, the quick change wardrobe, uh, and, and the magic that, chroma key rooms. That, that's yes. that's right. Yes, they, <laughs> they, they 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 do last the test of time. So that's interesting. Getting into the actual episode itself. S- sorry, color separation overlay. <laughs> Getting to the actual episode itself, um, the, the the two words that I've written right at the top of my notes here are George Baker. Now, I've got a, a theory that I want to perhaps uh, test over the, the next number of episodes as we do them, that quite often the best episodes are the ones that have a well-known guest star who plays it relatively straight. And a lot of the weaker episodes are ones that have somebody who actually kind of plays it like he's in Monty Python mm. um, rather than a serious piece of TV and George Baker in this I think he's the highlight because he plays this absolutely dead straight and I think the gags work far more effectively because of that uh, and he look I, I agree that he certainly plays it very straight um, I'm just wondering whether the audience reaction to him especially in that scene in the, in the torture dungeon whether the audience is not quite sure how to react to him because mm. he's playing it very straight, very dry, and you can you can find the humour in that. I don't know that the audience was sure whether they should laugh. You'd be or laughing not. at that or not? Yeah. yeah. So that, that that did strike me, but um, yeah. 
Fair enough. Um, the kitchen, obviously, we see the kitchen in the Tower of London is the start of their very heavy um, visual gags idea, you know, the fridge yep. inside the coffin, uh, all that sort of thing. Yeah, which the is, giant axe cutting the corned beef. Yeah, yeah that, that, which, when you think of the goodies, um, the first thing I think of is the, is the quite clever scripts they do, but you forget sometimes how much of what they did relied on that visual comedy. And, um, and, and particularly in the filmed inserts. Yeah. Uh, where you would, you know, they would go out and just spend a day just filming, um, what whatever the episode required, obviously. But yeah, which brings me to another point, which is about the budget. Even even looking at this one, by nineteen seventy standards, you feel as though a bit of money's been set up on this. And there's a, there's a lot of standalone sets, for example, that are just used for one gag. Uh, and obviously, the the filming, you know, in those days would have been quite expensive. But they make very, very good use of it. And, and, and the trick photography as well was quite cutting edge. Um, it, it was. I, I seem to remember Tim saying, I think when he was here a few years ago, that a lot of the, the, the film stuff, um, you know, was then quite often done sort of in the half dark with the camera aperture all the way open so they could get it done uh, mm. in the time. Because they sort of got one studio, one, one studio day, one film day. Um, I, I think to do everything. And, and for a series like The Goodies, that was always a constant struggle to get it in the can and get it done properly. But but again, the the quality of that. I mean, most episodes have their five minute filmed insert insert runaround. The quality of the the one in this is actually quite good. Uh, no, but I mean that's very effective. And, you know, even some of the stuff like where they the prince is beating them into the ground. That that mm. wouldn't have been easy to set up. No, um, certainly not with the technology of nineteen seventy. No, that's true. Um, so that's very good. And that that of course brings us to the use of the royals in the episode. Um, now I did a quick check check. At the time this was made, Prince Charles had just turned 22. Mm. So very much the young prince in those days. Yep. Um, I suspect if you were making it today, it would probably be Prince Harry would be the one probably. breaking into the jewels. Well, I think um, I, I think I don't think it was that episode. I think it's a Royal Command performance one. I, I know Prince Charles said he, he would have he, he would have liked to have done it. Yes. And, and then I think wiser heads within the uh, within the firm said no. <laughs> Which is interesting because I reckon if they if they asked today they might actually get them. Yeah, mm. um, very different time. I was I was struck by the audience reaction to the use of the royals. The, the, the audience is laughing, but there seems to be a certain hesitation to it, as if oh, you're doing that joke about the royals. Yes, and they don't name them. Um, no. no, they just sort of do a couple of brief impersonations. Yes, is it old him or young him or yes? yes. I am. Um, I, did some research before I come on this. The, the year before, there was a, a, a well-known or well-received documentary about the royals uh, in '69, and that sort of, I think, the effort there was to bring the royals down. Say, look, we're just an ordinary, we're a family just like yours, and that was sort of breaking the ice, the, the distance between the royals and, mm, and the subjects. The commoners, yeah. yeah, well, yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> even even with that, there was it just seemed to me that, that the audience was laughing. But should we be laughing? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Mm. But it was very interesting. What other comments do you guys want to make on the, the actual episode itself? Well, I think the funniest thing for me for watching it was uh, the visual jokes more than the, the sort of scripted jokes. So the, 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 the axe or the pendulum coming across, I actually laughed out loud. I thought that was really funny. Mainly because I think of the, 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 the boys, the, the goodies reaction. I think Graham, Graham is yes. really good at physical comedy. Yeah. And because he's so tall, his arms and legs go everywhere. And there's a bit of that that I really enjoyed. Yeah, I think so. Again, for me, I think it's the visual aspects of probably... Um, I mean, that was the, the Beef Eaters, or Tower of London, whatever you want to call it, was... Uh, it, it was one that was on fairly high rotation here in Australia. Yes. Uh, I seem to remember. So, 
it's one um, and honestly when we discussed again briefly digressing when we discussed doing this podcast I was sort of a bit oh I don't know having been through the ABC constant repeat screenings there are some you sort of get the impression you may have just seen a couple too many times but going back and rewatching them actually look it's been really good to yeah. go back and rewatch them and this one as I said I enjoyed it I don't think it's an out and out classic of the series but look I thoroughly enjoyed it yeah no absolutely I'm, I'm very impressed by how well this episode starts off the series I think, I think we all are so with that, we get to the first of one of our hopefully regular segments that we have planned to do in the second half of each of these episodes, uh, the first of which is just simply called The Ads. Now, I think it's fair to say one of the most notorious or famous aspects of the episodes is their cutaway adverts, and in this one we get a couple of very memorable ones to start. The Fairy Puff Man uh, was well. Look, it was never shown here in Australia. No. Um, no, that, that's, that's never been on any Australian screening, and I must have been... It, not until uh, I got a copy out of the UK from somebody that I even knew I think that ad existed. But Yes, that's, um, that's a very, very funny. It is. And, and look, I, I think it's a gag that they've done before, but... I, I think it was actually a gag, and I'm sorry I read that again. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's problematic. It, it is. To 21st century years now, but... It is because it is. I mean, it's funny though. That, I, I say. I, I, I mean, it's that very heavy inference that clearly once he's got this girl to take her clothes off, that you know he's about to, you know, mm. she, she's but, up for it. And, and, and it's made by the look that Brooke Taylor gives that girl just after she's taken her clothes off. He's absolutely sinister. And then suddenly he goes into his um his fairy puff voice. Um, it's very it's very funny. And yeah, we'll talk a little bit about the the the, the dated aspect of it. Um, the goodies tea sets the other advert in there and. Look, I didn't think it was brilliant watching it this time, but I remember being a kid and seeing that, and that idea of, you know, half a cup of tea being literally a, a, half, a half cup, cup. <laughs> that really made me laugh as a kid. So, um, yes, not the best of their adverts. I think there's some real classics to come. One thing that's worth mentioning, and again, when we look at the budget, they've set up entire sets, props, costumes. Just, just purely for that gag. Just for those two gags. So that just shows you know, how they were... Um, how they're going about that. Any other comments on the ads? Um, I don't think you could get away with the first one now. No, oh, no. sorry, the, the, the second, second one. Now. Sorry, the, the fairy, yes, the fairy puff man now, I don't think. I, I thought it was, I thought it was hilarious. Oh, I should say that's funny, <laughs> but... Um, it would, Twitter would be an uproar. No, yeah. it would be a blaze. It'd be, <laughs> you'd have to, yeah. And we'll, we'll talk more about that in a moment. Um, next segment I just want to talk about, what's, what was our favourite gag from each episode? Now, mine, I'll, I'll go into mine first because it's actually been mentioned. It, it is the axe moment. Um, I thought when I, when I was preparing my notes and watching this that it would be a, 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 a written gag or an oral gag, but I can't go past the axe because there's the build-up to it where he's got the, the machete to do the barter, he's got the coffin in the, fr- the fridge in the coffin. And then he uses the, the, uh, yeah, the guillotine to do the, uh, to do the bread. Yes, right. uh, but then when the axe comes through... But that, I, think that's, that's, I think it's actually their, it's their reaction to the axe is yes, really what yes. does it because you watch them just leaping back and forth <laughs> yes. out of its swing. Yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, look, so that, that, that was my favourite game. Yeah, that's probably mine too, actually. It was, it was Tim who was sort of running towards and then running, yeah, back, running back, back and leaping in and out yes, of its yeah, swing. That's what made it funny yes. for me. Yeah. Well, whilst George Baker, again, is completely indifferent to this stuff going on around him, um, and I think some, dare I say, lesser guest actors that we're going to see later on would have hammed that up in a way that would have detracted from it. Okay, um, now the another segment that I think is going to be one of our more interesting segments as we go along is what I'm calling What Hasn't Aged Well. Now, 
There's a few notes that I've made here. Um, we've certainly touched on the Fairy Puff Man not being something you could get away with today, um, rightly or wrongly. Um, during the Bill's little trip, now, I don't know if you could get away with that whole segment these days, the idea of him being no, well, um, tripping on something. Actually, the scary thing is, well, because obviously, I mean, the... the, the, the Topless Lady was obviously cut again here in Australia. Yes, I was going to mention that one as yeah, well. Yeah, uh, I suppose one of the things, and it's, it's only through watching it through modern eyes now, when he goes on his trip, not only they do a Rolf, they've done a Rolf Harris gag, they mm. then cut to Jimmy Savile. Yes, <laughs> that, was, that was another one I've noticed. You would not have a Jimmy Savile joke in there now. No. Um, on that, though, if you watch the latest series of Line of Duty, they do have a photo of Jimmy Savile. They bring that up, but in the context, not of a joke, yeah. but of the investigation that's going on. Oh, but, interesting. Okay. But yeah, the whole Rolf Harris thing, yeah, is very icky now. Yeah, um, the, yeah. Nude, the nude woman is is something. It, it, but yeah, around. they do a Rolf Harris joke, and then they cut, as I said, they cut to a picture of Jimmy Savile. Mm. <laughs> it is now. Now the nude, the nude shot. Would that be not done now because it would just be so passe? It depends on who the who is watching. Mm. Is the good? I mean, you said the goodies went out at ten pm. Is, would a similar show now? What time would that go out? I mean, again, but see, I, I suspect by our standards now, I mean, the goodies is pretty tame. I, I mean... Very tame, yeah. Um, I mean, you could imagine a joke like... Um, I mean, you think of some of the, the, the more niche Australian comedy, something like pizza or, or house size or something. I, I could see they would have no trouble doing that sort yep. of gag now. And I mean, let's face it, they regularly feature drug use and... Mm. You know, Vogan characters and that sort of stuff. More mainstream comedy, I think, yeah. might have an I, issue with it. I think the deference to the royal family that is evident um, at the end of the, the you know, the, the, the story or the episode for an Australian audience is sort of anachronistic now. Mm. Um, I think in, in the UK the deference is gone, but the respect has replaced it. It's mm. interesting you say that, Rob, because the note I made here actually goes the other way in that they're very open to making the jokes about, you know, the royal family's recent financial and publicity crises. Which, again, was probably appropriate for 1970. Uh, if this was the late, well, the late 90s, it would probably be, be about right as well. well but, but nowadays, you wouldn't make those sort of jokes. I also just quickly noted that the, the way the drawing room is set up is completely different to how it is done now. Well, I mean, again, it's a set. And, it, and, it is, and, but, but they, they've sort of gone to the trouble of making it look vaguely like the old drawing room used to, mm. um, whereas now it's in a completely different sort of gallery. One joke that I did actually have to look up, and I, I like to think I'm pretty good with my goodies references, but right at the end when the um, trumpeters come in, oh, yes. and, and the head one says, that will do, Maynard, and the audience goes absolutely nuts. nuts. Yeah. Now, that is apparently a reference to the band leader Maynard Ferguson, who was the band leader and trumpeter for the Simon D Show. Right. Which was apparently a American well, or Canadian at the time. Apparently, I think it was a Canadian chat show that was very, very big in 1970. So go. it was the equivalent. I mean, we still have them now. You know, the band leaders that yeah. sort of play the um, straight man for the the, the chat <laughs> show comedy. Count Paul Grabowski. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently, Maynard was you know this this trumpeter known for doing this over the top trumpeting okay. stuff. So that's that's um, one reference that I didn't get. Uh, our final segment is what I call classic goodies and. Being the first episode, this is going to be interesting because yeah. what I want to do is recount here where we get the origins of some of the running gags that we see in the show. And it's interesting, we'll find we're getting to the later series and still be seeing what we think of as classic goodies tropes mm. uh, being introduced quite late in the series. So this one, uh, we've mentioned Rolf Harris being the first of many, many, many Rolf Harris gags. Right. 
um, the Trandom turns up for the first time. What, what did we make of that, watching it back? I mean, look, it's, it's obviously done as a visual gag. They come out, there's a car park, and you think they're about to get into this, this flash Mercedes, and, mm. and they sort of wheel this crappy-looking bike out from behind it. <laughs> Um, and, and I know they have said that that thing was an absolute death trap of a thing to ride. Um, it was impossible to steer. It was they were constantly knocking the chain off it because they all had to pedal in sync. Otherwise, it, yeah, yeah. Well, well, if you look at this one, it's actually only a two wheeler. It, it is, and Bill just sits on the back. Yeah, yes. and, that, and apparently that was problematic as well because he's if he if any of them moved the wrong way, they'd tip the whole thing yeah. over. And that must have actually been because they do do the very first gag they do with it is they wheel it out and fall over, and then they and then they, they fall over. Very funny. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> it, I, I wonder. Whether they deliberately set that up as a running gag, or this would be quite funny for the first episode, and then carried it on, I don't think we know that. Well, I don't. I mean, I don't know that they do too much else with coming off the, the trandom. I mean, look, we see them obviously in numerous other episodes riding along on the trandom, um, and I mean they clearly got better at riding it. Mm. Um, I think in working out how to control it properly, and that they only needed to do you know, a, a set shot with it, they'd ride it through the frame and then they could get off. Yes, yes. I think that's what they've said. That they really only needed about 20 or 30 yards yeah, to get yeah. it through. And, 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 and you know, not, they didn't have to ride it the full length of the stroke for the shot. Although, but, by the time they're doing goodies real okay, when they're sort of, where are the goodies? Um, they've got some quite good shots on the train on that. They, they sort of have, very briefly in the next episode, have a van that we never see again. But um, okay, I'll, I'll have yeah. to keep my eye out for that one. Um, and of course, they go through the whole thing. You know, they run the flag up and they mm. pump up the tyres, and then Tim puts his little, you know, so, little yeah. emergency light hat on. <laughs> that's, that's dispensed with very quickly. Oh, that's yes. dispensed almost immediately. Yeah. I think they yes. see that again. And of, and of course, the other thing is their characters, which we see for the first time, and as we've discussed, last the whole yeah. way through. Mm. Um, and of course, we get the first. I mean, the song "Needed" is is used. Again, yes. throughout the rest of the series, I don't think the second song we encounter again. But uh, no, ne- needed is definitely one that I got quite sick of quite quickly. I must admit, <laughs> but we'll, we'll discuss that more when we have our music cutaways. I think there are some yep. some interesting points to be made about that. Just going to say, do we do we find that Tim and Bill's characters become more slightly more extreme versions of what we see in the first episode? Tim becomes more patriotic he starts wearing the Union Jack vest he starts playing like, is it God Save the Land of Hope, Hope and Glory yeah, we, don't get, yeah, we don't get a Land of Hope and Glory speech until uh, a little then, way in but. Yes. and then later on Bill you know, becomes more of a the socialist basically yeah. you see that in an episode like The End where it, it's it's a level playing field now it, it is they, they certainly um, it, 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 it's interesting that they not only do that but the, their ability to swap the characters around a little bit so in some episodes Graham's quite a moral character in others he's uh, maniacal the, the bastard, loony, the loony scientist, the maniacal loony scientist. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bill, Bill, Bill's the same. He goes from you know peace loving bird watcher to violent little oik, yeah. basically. Well, that's the thing, which which is, is wonderful in terms of the flexibility of the series. I think again we'll see as we go along. Gentlemen, do we have any other points we'd like to make about the Tower of London? It's good. It's good. <laughs> I was happy to go. Look, it's a it. really solid start to the series. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yes. Excellent. Well. The next episode, we'll be talking about episode number two, which is, of course, Snooze. So, thank you, Richard. Thank you, Rob. And now, I'll walk in the Black Forest.
You've been listening to the Goodies Pirate Podcast, the Australian podcast that puts the good in goodies. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please do leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode or your thoughts on upcoming episodes. So please drop us a line by email at pirategoodiespc at gmail.com. Send us a tweet at at pirategoodiespc or find us on Facebook at facebook.com stroke pirategoodiespc. Goodies, goody, goody, yum, yum. Those undies you're wearing are great, 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 great. I know, I know. Take them off and put them in the machine. Right. Now what are you going to do? Hmm? I'm going to wash these clothes.